Welcome to the Lead Worship Well podcast. I'm your host, Chris Baker, and today we're going to have a wonderful conversation with none other than Israel Houghton. Israel is a multi-award winning artist, songwriter, worship leader, producer. Oh man, Israel has done it all. And he's taking the time to share some incredible insights with us today. Let's jump into today's conversation. Cool. Friends, welcome to the Lead Worship Well podcast. I'm your host, Chris Baker, and I'm going to tell you something. Today is going to be incredible. Why? Because I have an incredible person on with me. He's none other than my brother, Israel Houghton. Bro, how you doing, fam? And how are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. I know you got a lot going on in your world, bro, but thank you so much for taking time to hop on with us today, man. Uh, They are worship leaders. They're musicians, songwriters. Everybody listens to this podcast. And I know today we're going to touch on some things that's going to be a tremendous blessing to all of them, bro. So listen, I want to start from the beginning. Yeah. This whole new breed movement, bro. I want you to unpack the why behind the movement. And I use that word movement intentionally. We'll unpack that in a moment. But I want to go back to that beginning. Why did you feel, yo, we need to start this this whole new breed thing? Where did it come from, bro? Well, it was never meant to be a group. It was definitely to be a movement. So I think that's the right terminology. I mean, you don't really know if you've effectively started or led a movement until you've logged some time. Yeah. And sort of got the metrics on that, like, did it work, you know? But for me, it was, you know, I I knew I was called into ministry, but I knew I didn't want to pastor a church. And and my, like, you reach a certain age, you get married when you're like 19, and you go pastor a church at 20 on some college campus or something and see if it works. And I was just like, yeah, I don't, that's not me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. So I really felt like it was going to be in music, but even then I didn't quite understand until I really experienced like worship mm-hmm. in really pure, but professional sense. Like I, I felt like we sang a lot of songs growing up. It was not professional at all. It was like Ed on the bass who, you know, he, I think he has a bass or his cousin's got a bass and then they're going to bring it in on Sunday morning. You know, it was like that kind of thing. It was like warriors, but like a real volunteer situation. Yeah. First time I something with excellence being done, you know, in the standard of like Ron Canoli at that time, mm-hmm. you know, oh, see, this resonates with me to like speak to the church, to encourage the church, to, to point to Jesus. So the whole idea was like, when things started sort of opening up for me and, and record deals started coming around and stuff like that, I, you know, I signed one and, and I'm like this solo artist guy, you know. And they're like, let's, you know, like if I think back now, it's like a little bit crazy. Like, let's let's put you in the dark just enough, like, so people don't know really what you are, or, you know. And yeah. it was like weird CCM Nashville rules thing. And and it was like, you know, I finally discovered like you're not white enough to be in this sandbox, but you know, pretty sure you're not black enough to be in this one over here. So what are you gonna do? I think I'm going to rent a bulldozer and and build our own on-ramp. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I said from the very beginning, I don't want to be a solo artist. I want to lead other artists, other musicians, other worshipers, and kind of be a player coach on an all-star team. Dude, 
And was it an all-star team? Oh my God, man. That first, the new season record, I'm going to tell you, man, it was, it was a game changer. And I know you've heard this, bro, but like for me, I grew up in a gospel Pentecostal church. I am so grateful for my roots, you know, um, but I always felt there was something more. But then when I went over to the quote unquote white churches, it was like, uh, but this, this isn't it either. It wasn't until I heard the new season record where it almost gave language to what I had felt my whole life. Wow. Like it was incredible. It wasn't, it wasn't all black. It wasn't all white. It wasn't, it was just a sound, bro. And I know you would, I don't, I don't think it was accidental because I know yep. you were, you are an intentional person. Yeah. That is the one thing I never boast about anything we've done. You know that about yeah, one man. thing boast in the Lord of is that in 1995, I wrote the vision for New Breed. Mm. And everything in that vision, every step has been touched. Like literally everything we set out to do. But from the beginning, it was we are intentionally cross-cultural, cross-denominational, and cross-generational for people to against God. Somebody was like, here, try to fit in this box. And I'm like, I don't quite fit in there. Well, then let us, let's shove you into this one. Well, I don't quite fit either. Yeah. And I had experts, well-meaning people going, you're going to have to choose a lane. And I remember going, but I'm a black kid raised in a white family in a Hispanic town and, and church. And I was the only black kid I saw until my junior year of high school. Wow. So everything that we've sort of incorporated in the new breed has been this this gumbo, this amalgam of, you know, a lot of different styles and influences that I believe I came across honestly. Yeah, that's great, man. I hear a lot of pastors and even, you know, we know, you know, being in church, you hear people like, I want to, I want our church to be cross-cultural. I don't want our church to be a white church or a black church. You know, but I'm going to tell you something, man, that cross-cultural thing, it has got to be intentional. It's not accidental. Um, I know, I love the way you put it. You were a black kid raised in a white home and went to a, a Hispanic church. So you kind of was like bred in it. But yeah. speak to the intentionality behind these cross-cultural worship spaces, man. If I'm a pastor, if I'm a worship leader, what are some things that I need to employ in order to create a cross-cultural worship experience? Well, it's got to be something that that is of interest to you. Mm -hmm. It can't be, this will work for the people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, it's got to be like, if, if I want to incorporate a gospel feel into something that doesn't have a lot of that, mm -hmm. instead of kind of co-opting that or finding tokens to pull that off, maybe I can develop relationship and life with somebody who approaches worship, music, culture, food, church yes. differently than I do. And let me like jump in there and, and learn it, you know, and not tokenize somebody, but genuinely take an interest mm -hmm. and care about. Yeah. So I go to a lot of churches, man, and they are, they are, you can tell is the token. There's the black token, or, you know, if I'm in a black church, you got the, the white token up there and the camera keeps hitting them like 25 oh, times. <laughs> And I want to tell you, if you are doing that, like, stop, just stop it. It does not work. 
<laughs> no, man. But let's okay. So let's talk about this sound that that you guys were able to to create. You know, to take CCM songs and blend them with a gospel feel to where it wasn't either extreme. Like, how do you do that, bro? And see, you're the mad scientist. You are that dude that can say, I like the lyrical, I like the lyrical content here. Let's approach this here from a drums to make it when it comes together, man, it is like the perfect cross-cultural gumbo, bro. Let's go there. I love that. I mean, well, I'll say there are certain things that sort of remind me texturally, you know, of, of musical things that sort of take me to a place. So it could be a progression all here. And that progression will remind me of a song that like I probably listened to, you know, a hundred times straight yeah. in 77 or whatever. <laughs> and 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 you go, oh, we ought to add this to this. And that's sort of where all that comes from. But I got to say, from the inception of New Breed, you know, my sensei on that level was Aaron Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Even though he was a friend and a peer, and I think I'm a year older than him, he was my teacher. Because wow. he was able to connect the dots for me, and I was able to connect certain dots for him, meaning I had my Andre Crouch and like, you know, L.A. Mass mm-hmm. moments and my Andrew Goucher on bass, and <laughs> he ever did, moments. And Aaron had a lot of that, but he also had the since then, and he had developed choirs and developed ensembles and been on the road with Fred Hamm. And and the more we started sort of, you know, here, one for you and one for me Mm kind of changed and we found what worked. He sort of left me alone in my lane of like, okay, progressionally, you know, I feel the guitar doing this. Yeah. And so I left him alone on like, I don't even know what that chord you got just got. (laughs) What's the root? Okay, it's B flat. You all spread that chord out however you want, but I think the real dance from the very beginning was realizing that New Breed had the opportunity to be a resource. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like people heard a sound that was like, this works for my cross-cultural church expression. And the dance became, let's do things that are s- still accessible. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times, even when Aaron and I would write, we would write and produce at the same time. So it'd be yeah. like, let's this but the second verse like musically let's take it somewhere for us mm. we've already established one verse and chorus the way anybody can play it <laughs> now you know some special let's add some hot sauce to it bro <laughs> and nobody got mad because people just be like yeah we just repeat the first verse i don't know what that extra change is up there so we just go back and and it still works so i have to give a, a ton of credit to to aaron for just helping us make that cake in the first place. Oh man, and that cake has been and will always be, bro. It is it has been a pattern for over 20 years. And I want to say, like think from a longevity standpoint, you you don't typically see groups stay together this long. Bro, how have you managed to steward this movement for over 20 plus years? Chris, the Lord knows I I tried <laughs> it many, many times. <laughs> it's the longevity is really what I'm after, man, because 
there have been different, you know, iterations of the group and new members and people coming out, but the spirit and the heart of what it is that you guys started out to do at the beginning, it has remained the same, bro. How have you managed to do that? I think you have to figure out as early on as you can what your non-negotiables are. Mm, that's good. That's good. Our negotiables from the very beginning were... The thing of which I am a part is greater than the part I play. Greater than the part I play. That simple phrase, the thing of which I am a part, which I believe is a great thing, that by itself is greater than the part I play. So this can function with or without me. This has functioned without me. Mm-hmm. So I think just establishing that up front. The other thing is like ministry doesn't stop. Yeah. Just because we're on stage for 10% of our life doesn't mean that the 90% is not ministry. Mm-hmm. So the way we treat people, the way mm-hmm. we treat each other, the way we uh, approach our relationship with God, the way the way we treat people that we walk past who we already know can do nothing for us. Yeah. How do we how do we do ministry as if cameras are on 100% of the time and you're singing, you know, to the world 100% of the time? What's your life look like that way? And then shortly, you know, what five years, seven years into our journey, you know, strength is for service, not status, is probably what brought real balance to to our why. Yeah. At first, I want to be cross cultural, and <laughs> I probably had a chip on my shoulder. Like I want to prove the people wrong that said mm-hmm. this wouldn't anything. I own that, but I think when it became You've been given this platform. You prayed those prayers that most of us pray and hope that, you know, in 20, 30 years, God answers them. Lord, we want our music all around the world and be translated in languages. And we want to stand in stadiums and, you know, we we thank you for the Grammys or whatever. And then when it happens, you're like, whoa, that's a trip. Like, I actually was praying, but I don't know if I was expecting <laughs> <laughs> that sort of meteoric rise. And I look yeah. at, I like Maverick City who are experiencing, you know, that and in in a quantum way. Yeah. Like, hey, pay attention to those moments. One, because they don't always last forever, but how you steward these, these out of control moments, like maybe don't normalize them. Maybe like go, clearly God is up to something and mm question I need to answer is why is he up to it? What part do I play? And how can I, how can I be sitting here 23 years later, still stewarding it? That's only by the grace of God and by just uh, the way he has caused people's lives to intersect with mine has made all the difference. Wow, man, that is beautifully said, bro. I'll say this, everything that you have said, I've had the honor of of being a part of this family for 13, 14 15 years and we're in that ballpark. But one thing that has been, it's all been a learning experience, but watching you go in and out of places, it doesn't matter what the congregation was. It doesn't matter who was on the bill before it, but watch you being able to navigate atmosphere. So I want to pivot and go into you as the worship leader. I've never looked at you as an artist. Thank you. When you show up and it's time to do an event, a service, and to serve, you will not get a set list. (laughs) (laughs) It's very rarely when you get a set list. Because when you go into that environment, you are constantly taking the temperature of the room. And from that, 
it becomes a flow experience. I want to now go into, because I've seen you've served at Lakewood, you've served in structured environments. You coined the term, I don't know if you remember this, but you, you said this a long time ago. You said, man, it's called structure spontaneity, which is having the spontaneity to be able to move, being front-footed, being able to move at a moment's notice, but then understanding how to keep it within the structure. Because sometimes you can get out there and it can be so weird that like, uh, that's just off. Or it can be so structured that you're like, well, we completely structured God out of it. Totally. You are a master, my friend, at <laughs> structured spontaneity. So for our worship leaders and MDs that are listening, take us into your thought process of how you manage those moments. Well, I call it practicing the presence of God. Oh, we. Oh, we. So the idea is when I'm at home, I'm sitting at my piano right now. Mm-hmm. And when I'm at home and, and in a rare case where I have the house to myself, I've just been sitting here having my own little moment with God, right? Mm-hmm. In those moments, I may hit a song that, you know, we do regularly or something I'm, I may have just been been ministering to me or whatever. And out of some of those moments, I don't just, you know, especially when I'm alone, I just don't stack songs together. I just flow. and. Yeah. And I do that knowing, oh, that concept with that concept is kind of nice. I might go to that at some point. Mm-hmm. And I look at you, you know, on mains or Jaden on mains or, you know, and, and with that look that says, hey, just watch me because I'm about to go <laughs> place that only I've been. Yeah. Watch me. And it's good that we know the number system and all that. But I think for what it is, is especially like when you're touring or something, the idea for me anyway, of doing the same thing the same way every night, mm. I know it really works for some people, Yeah, but, but it doesn't work. So I consider myself, pardon the analogy, but like I consider myself a river. Like yeah. I'm just, where are we going? But a river without banks is destruction. It's destruction. That's so good, man. It'll flood a city and wipe people out. Yeah. Consequently, you got to have the most beautiful banks with no water in it. And all you have is a skateboard park, maybe. Mm-hmm. The same with a, the most beautiful fountain pen in the world. If you have ink without the pen, you're going to have a mess on, on a paper. But if you have the most diamond-encrusted pen, just gorgeous, to, you could almost not look at it so beautiful. But if it has nothing in it, it's a paperweight at best. Oh, man. In other words, unstructured people have to really have great relationships with structured people. Oh, that's good. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, that's good. I'd be really, really structured. The worship leader may be really, really not. They actually need each other. And if they can figure out a way to work together and strengthen each other's deficits, mm-hmm. winning. Wow. Dude, 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 dude. <laughs> you are you're a master, bro. That. You have mastered the art of diving deeply quickly. You know, we can go to a place and it's like we have 25 minutes. And the ability to what you were just articulating, we go in, okay, let's build. Um, I love what you said. We practice, you practice the presence. You practice the presence. And I think sometimes what we do is we don't do that work at home. And we try to work it out in on stage. And that's when it could become a catastrophe. But being able to do that at home, 
And I do that myself, working, just learning from you, like work those set lists out at home. And you can't predict how God is going to move in a live moment, you know, because, but it is me doing my due diligence to prepare for that experience. So I can say, instead of me doing this course three times, let me just possibly do two, skip over here, just kind of practice those moves so that in the moment when they come, I'm able to adjust to where it seems seamless. And to watch you do this for all these years, you have mastered this. Okay. I know legacy is important, bro. I want to talk about this new breed next. Okay. And I told you when I was there and Jaden, and, and thank you for letting Jay be a part of it and Tina, just our family. I didn't understand it. Like, I wonder what is is doing? What is he up to? It was these young people. And I was like the old guy. <laughs> I was like, the old, like, what is this? But I saw this beautiful exchange between our generation and the generation that's coming behind us. Yeah. And the way you brought it about and Adrian and her incredible brain just saying, hey, let's let's do this. But man, to watch what happened on that recording in those moments was absolutely beautiful. As a father who my son is was a part of that, to see him experience the presence of God to see him learn in a safe environment. And you said something, bro. You said this, man, I didn't bring these kids here to necessarily teach them something. I brought them here to teach me. Great. That's right. Now, here's a man that he does not like to talk about his accomplishments and his achievements. He's accomplished. Everybody know, Israel, what you have done. At this age and stage in your life, you could be, what am I going to learn from some kids? Talk about that, man. Um, I remember, so when I first, first, first started out in like, I guess, full-time ministry, like a year out of college, I started traveling with Kim Clement mm-hmm. from South Africa. And we went to ORU one time and Oral Roberts was there and said, it came up to Kim. We were sitting there having a meal or, and he said, I want you to teach me about, you know, X, Y, Z. And Kim goes, I can't teach you anything. What could I possibly teach you? And Dr. Robert said, I am a disciple. And a disciple is one who never stops learning. And I, you know how you can hear certain things in your life and it just reverberate? Like, mm-hmm. one's going to stick with me forever because I don't think you ever reach a point, whether you're 50 or not, where you go, well, I've... I've sort of figured it all out. I know what, you know, even Chris Baker said, I could go into any environment. Just, just <laughs> I, what? Why would I? The truth is, I mean, I have kids, man, and I have a six-month-old right now. Yeah. So I don't expect that. I, I am now, uh, just as you said, we are the old guys in the room now. I don't know how it happened. We used to be the young yeah. disruptor. Now we're just getting disrupted. <laughs> <laughs> And I love it because this generation is going about it differently in every possible way. Um, how they express themselves, how they worship, what is cool to them, what is not. And we got to remember that we we had those same arguments. Like my prayer, you know, this has always been, God, don't ever let me get amnesia. Yeah. Like just as a believer, but but also as a father, as a creator, as a musician, like I don't ever want to forget that I was that guy going, let's push the envelope here. 
I can't get mad when a Jaden comes to the rehearsal and goes, let's push the envelope here. Yeah. I Show me how you did that. How did you get from there to there? How did you even know to do that? Because nobody signaled that. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff is caught, but it's also very intentionally mm -hmm. as well. So I want to learn from them. And I am, I just feel like new breed worship is the next step for us. Yeah. And taking sort of Israel and new breed and putting them in the, you know, legacy pile, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And it was always meant to be that way. It was always meant to push people forward. Yeah and to pass the baton and here's the thing about the olympics or track and field you only have a certain window mm -hmm. to pass the baton yeah you have to start running yeah. before they reach you yeah that handoff has to be smooth and it has to happen in within 20 yards or you get disqualified and you got to try again i feel like i've missed windows before and i don't want to miss this one so i'm very serious about empowering people like your son, my nephew, Jaden, to put his own band together and do his own thing and speak into how these songs are going to work for their expressions in worship and who he wants around him. And same thing with, you know, some of these young singers. I'm like, okay, let's, let's put a new squad together. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Uh, yeah, man. And I know guys that hope you've heard the record. If you haven't, like what rock have you been living under is incredible. But uh, man, the record is incredible. The DVD, look at DVD. What am I talking about? <laughs> Did I just say DVD? Oh man, my God. Divida. The Divida. <laughs> no, man, it was, it was life. It was life changing because um, I, was, I was in those rooms, man. And there was a lot of healing that took place because some of us have mismanaged that exchange zone. And there's been a lot of collateral damage. Because we didn't know how to manage that that exchange zone, we're so we're still holding on to the baton, and we're not allowing them that space to kind of grow in and and just to kind of watch what happened in that space, and just to hear you talk about, you know, new breed worship and the intentions as it pertains to that, I think it's life changing. It's incredible, bro. And um, I want to say this to you, man. You're a brother. You are a dear friend, and man. You are a tremendous blessing to not just the body, bro, to the world. Thank you, man. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I was in a dark place, and I'll never forget it, when I went to Deeper Conference, and it was life-changing. Things were broken off of me. I was set free from things uh, because of that experience. And I just want to say publicly, I tell you this privately, but I want to tell you publicly, bro, I am forever grateful for our friendship, for who you are, and the price that you pay. What you carry, it costs you something, man. And so sure. thank you for paying that price. And um, thank you for sharing with our friends and our listeners here at Lee Worship Well. Um, there's so much we can talk about, and we got to have you back so that we can unpack like some of these sessions and that technical stuff. Because I'm telling you, seeing this guy in the room, in the moment, how he's pulling stuff together is, is something to behold. But that will be for another time, bro. Thank you so much, man. Man, thank you, Chris. I know you got a lot going on, but just taking the time out to share your heart, to uh, give us insight into your world. And I uh, just want to say thank you again, bro. I mean that. Couldn't keep me away from this, man. Any chance to talk about that and to talk about that with you is, is a pleasure.
Yeah, yeah, guys. Well, listen, you can always get it. The record It's available on all digital platforms. Of course, we have the stems and everything available on multitracks.com. Get them, download all of the songs because all of the songs will work in your spaces. I don't care if it's cross-cultural, white, black, or whatever. It is an incredible record. So let's support our brother. Brother, I love you, man. Love and you, please Chris. give my best to Adrian ever, all of the Houghton family, bro. We love you, man. I mean that. Thank you. Thank you. Love you, man. Okay, bro. Peace.